Welcome to Rough Girl Turned Redeemed, a podcast where real, raw, and relevant truths on faith, marriage, and motherhood are discussed. I'm your host, Stephanie Holbrook, just another Rough Girl Turned Redeemed. Let's jump in. All right, ladies, welcome back. It has been a long couple of weeks. Quarantine um, has done me some good with my mental health, and just I had to take some time away from the podcast because had to tend to children's and, you know, business and all that good stuff, trying to do the homeschooling thing through the Zoom. And so I hope that this time away has been one of refreshing for you. Um, but I am excited to be back. Um, and I felt like there was no better way to jump back in than on a very hot topic right now here in our country. And it's... Uh, I'm just so humbled and honored to have one of my good friends over, Um, and we are both mamas, we are both uh, daughters of God, and we both have a heart for God and His children and His will and His purposes, and we both have little boys that absolutely love monster trucks, but there is a difference that me and Dee have, and that is that she is a beautiful black woman who is mothering a beautiful black son. And so today, she's come just so graciously onto the podcast. And when I tell y'all the Holy Spirit was moving, the Holy Spirit was moving. Um, she just shares so much of her heart. And so without further ado, we'll go ahead and we'll jump in. All right, Demetria, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I'm so excited to have you on, especially right now. I feel like this is just a perfect time to get back into podcasting. I, I haven't had an episode in whew, weeks because of COVID. And then now with all of uh, the racial injustices going on in just that's all we see on the news and on social media. And I just thank you so much for coming on and sharing your heart with me. So, Demisha, I just want to ask first, um, just share a little, little bit about yourself, and that way our, our listeners can get to know you a little bit. Okay, well, thank you for having me, Stephanie. I am Demisha Calhoun. I am a native of Selma, Alabama. I was born and raised here. In 2005, I joined the Army. So, I've been in the Army 15 years. I'm a mother of a daughter, Honey, who's seven, and a son, Nolan, who is three years old. I work as a guidance counselor in Montgomery, um, actually recruiting and enlisting our future soldiers. And I'm also an advocate for education. I am an author of Not Cheated But Chosen. And I am just currently in a space where I'm seeking God and trying to figure out where he wants me to be in this fight, not where the world wants me to be or what they want me to feel, but where God wants me to be. Amen on that. Oh, I love that. You're absolutely right on that. So, um, and, and, you know, and we have met before. We have had lunch together. We, we have, I've seen your children. Your son is just like my son. He loves monster trucks. He loves rough and rowdy. He is all boy. But there is a difference that, that we both, you know, we have to acknowledge. We can't ignore the fact. But that is that you have to teach stuff that I don't have to teach my son. Yes. 
So share your heart just a little bit. Like a lot of my listeners, I mean, I've got I've got all races. I've got all, you know, denominations and belief in Christ. I've got I've got it all that listen. But for those who are not um, familiar with what that entails, being a black mother to a black son, share a little bit about what is some things that you have to teach your son that we we don't have to. Well, one having so having a black um, son, and we've got this shirt in a group of my friends and I, we've got shirts that say black boy mom. And it's a difference in perspective. And I was thinking of um, how to have this conversation, not only with my son, but on how to have this conversation with you about it. And it really hit me that the things we're, we're in a survival mode and Whereas we're teaching our kids how to survive. And I was on a call last night and another mom was in tears and she was talking about how she has to teach her son what to do when being pulled over by the police, what not to do and not to dress a certain way. You don't want to be seen as a threat or you don't want to come off as aggressive. And my son is three years old and my brother is a police officer. He has been for as long as I've been in the military. We graduated from training at the same time. So I have kind of a double edge sword and my son loves the police. He, my daughter wants to be a sheriff. So I don't want to get in the, in the groove of teaching them to fear something that they're so passionate about. But the reality is that everything is not peaches and cream. So while they admire it, and then in the inside of me, my heart flutters a little bit, there's still the reality that one day, no matter how much I teach my son about respect and discipline, no matter how educated he is, there's another side of the world that he has to be prepared for that I don't want to prepare him for because I don't feel like I should taint his reality to fit what society wants him to believe. Does that make sense? Girl, absolutely. I just, I'm in tears listening because I just want like, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank your brother. Like tell your brother, thank you for me for his service. Like, but I, I can't help but think, you know, just like you said, how it puts you in a catch 22. Because here you are, your children love law enforcement. And, and I'm not saying that all law enforcement is bad. By no means am I saying that. That No. But the fact that you, you don't want them to fear that, but at the same time, like you said, it's not all peaches and cream. Now, how do you go about addressing all of this to your children um, in, in a godly way, like how can we share with me, how can we have, you know, God centered conversations on race and social injustice and those things with our children? Like, how do we do that? So I was, I saw being in the military, I've had lots of training on EO, which is equal opportunity and it's sharp as well. So as I was meditating on this, I've, it took me to a course I had on sexual harassment, sexual assault, and how 
as women, and I think that we can identify with this as women and as mothers, because I feel like at the end of the day, regardless of what color our kids are, what disabilities or what advantages they have, no matter what it is, we love our kids as women. So that's the basics of it all. But when it comes to identifying, so with sexual harassment, sexual assault, traditionally way years ago, we've transitioned in the military, but we were teaching women not to be victims. We were teaching them how not to dress, how not to get caught in that situation, how not to be alone, how not to trust. And it just became like we were teaching them how to survive. Well, we did a shift in a course that I attended and we said that we were not focusing on the victim, but actually teaching ourselves not to be perpetrators. So in this fight, in this season, I think that and while I'm having a conversation with my son about surviving, um, which I feel like is unfair in a sense, I just feel like on the other side of this, there has to be conversations about how to treat people and how to not see um, our kids as just because someone has a hoodie on, not see them as a threat or just because someone um, doesn't look like you, not to see them as familiar, you know. So the conversation has to be had on both sides. And I do believe that we have to be sitting at the same table because that's the only way that you're going to dispel that fear. That's the only way that you're going to break down those barriers because you've seen people where a lot of society lives in a world where we don't generally interact. There's not blacks and whites. There's not people. We, we usually gravitate to what looks like us. So our Absolutely. interactions are not as intense or as consistent as they should be. So you take someone who has not, and even in the military, I mean, my first roommate was a white girl from California who had not even, she grew up in a small town. She hadn't even interacted with any people, you know, any black people in her life besides joining the army. So it was a shock for her. So we were in the same room and whereas her parents were kind of fearful, like, oh, you know, asking questions, we got to meet each other and we got to know each other. And she got to be the, my voice to them. So as Christian brothers and sisters, I believe that we have to become the voice and we have to become mm-hmm. the bridge, not what the world wants us to believe. Because at the end of the day, I don't think that it's a racial issue. And I'm not saying that to be, I'm not oblivious to the fact that there's hate in the world based off of the color of people's skins. But I do believe that we wake up mm-hmm. naked. And that at the end of the day, it becomes an issue of the heart and the heart starts in the home. And that's where we get our training at. And I believe that I have to teach my kids not to hate all police and not to be fearful of all police. And on the same side is that in the homes of others, in the homes of um, white kids, and then you and your son will be having a conversation about, hey, this is Nolan. He's not aggressive. He's not fearful. You know, he's your friend. You guys can, you know, interact with each other. You don't. So we're having those same conversations, but we're bridging a gap because I don't believe that us just standing on one side and standing on the other side is ever going to solve a problem. They can make us, and I heard a pastor say this, laws can make us equal. Laws can tell us that we have to work together. Laws can put us in the same room. They cannot make us love each other. 
They cannot make us be compassionate towards each other. They cannot make us friends. They can make us co-workers. They can put us on the same team, but they cannot make us love each other and have that intimate relationship that God desires for us. Amen. Oh, Demetria, this is so good. Yes. Yes. I, that is something I say. It is not it, like, yes, like you said, I'm not oblivious to the fact that racism is real. But when it boils down, just like you said, we all wake up naked. And when we leave this earth, we don't know what color it could be in heaven. We could all be black. We could all be white. We could all be Indian. We could all we could all have no skin at all. You know, we don't know. But what it boils down to is it's a heart issue, just like you said. And like you said, the heart is trained up in the home. Absolutely. Uh, that is so good. And, and like you said, just like your that pastor said, they make laws where there is there's a a void of love. Where there is no love, they try and fill that with a law. And and, and you can't do that. It's it, like he said, it is not the same thing. It is not the same thing. And, and for me, it's just like just like we would have a relationship with God, whereas you can go to when you first get in a relationship with anybody, you have to ask them, you know, what is your favorite thing to drink? What is it that you would you would like for me to do in this situation? You know, if, if, I, if it comes down to I got to buy you red roses or yellow roses, which one would you prefer? Like you're not going to know that first going into the relationship. But once you've been in a relationship for a while with a person, you know what they want. You know what they what they like, what their preferences are, what hurts them. And it is the same way with our relationship with God. And my thing is, is if people are truly close to, to God, to Abba, their father, then they would see how all this that is going on is just breaking his heart. And for us to love one another, just like God loves us, like we're supposed to love God, we have got to be in relationship with one another. We, like you said, we have got to sit at the same table. Yes. And until we do that, we're not going to be able to understand. We can't, there's empathy and there's sympathy. And a lot of times we say that we expect people to understand. It's just like, we expect people to be mind readers and we expect people to, we want them to feel a certain way. We want them to agree with a certain things. We want them to understand a certain stance when they don't have to. But if we would sit at the same table and get that, you don't have to agree with the um, approach to understand the process or to understand what the, the purpose So those are the conversations that we have to have. It's not something that you avoid. I know a lot of times we avoid it and we just stay up in our lane. I, as a, you know, you want to be, and I was speaking to another friend of mine today and I was telling her, I was like, in this season, and she was saying, it's just quiet and everybody can't go where God is calling you to go. But we were saying that, you know, in this season, I don't want to do or feel what society wants me to feel as a black woman, or I don't want to do or feel about the flag, how the military wants me to feel, or I don't want to do or feel about racial injustice, what I want to feel as a black you know, woman or as a mother or as anything, but as a Christian. And that's what separates mm-hmm. the two because yes, my skin wants me to be angry, but my heart wants me to be compassionate. And we have to make sure that we're operating from the heart and that we're teaching our kids from the heart. 
and that we are going and doing acts of love from the heart and not buying into what society wants us to feel because that's who's been controlling this for years, society. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they play on those emotions. They will make you feel like you're less of who you are if you don't feel how they feel. And the reality is that that's not what God wants us to do. And we have to separate ourselves. I believe that this is really um, more for Christians. We're in a season where Christians are either going to have to be Christians or you're not. And and it's come, it's come at such a perfect time, especially with COVID-19, because it came to whether we're doing the whole, are we going to be god centered or are we going and you know it's since they removed us from the church and we had to get out of the membership into the relationship so i believe that this is the same thing we're going to have to move out of the laws and regulations and get really into the relationships and the more relationships that we build we will be able to change Mm -hmm. the generations to come because laws told us that we, we we didn't have to be segregated anymore but guess what we're still segregated because the yep, laws yep, cannot absolutely. make us stay together. Mm-hmm. Girl, you are just, oh, you are speaking. Holy Spirit is speaking through you, no doubt. And, you know, it, like you said, right now is just, it is the perfect timing for it. Like, and as much as my heart is just absolutely breaking, I know that brighter days are coming because the rainbow doesn't come until after the darkest storm. And so I'm just, I'm expecting, I'm anticipating this beautiful rainbow that is going to come after this storm. And it's going to be, God's going to get glory and all of it. No doubt about that. But right now it is just, I feel like we are at the, in the darkest storm that we could possibly be in. It's just, it's it's heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. But like you said, we're not supposed to move out of, out of feelings because feelings aren't facts. Feelings are not facts. Faith is. Faith is the fact that us as Christians, we are to hold on to and we are to move out of love because that is what God is. Now tell me, now we, we had planned on doing a uh, paint with a purpose party and then COVID happened and that, that threw a wrench in that plan. So that's all right. But tell me what are some ways, what, what are some ways that people who are not of color or uh, people who are of color, but that, you know, claim Christ or people that are not of color that claim Christ, like Christians, what can we do to bridge the gap? I know we keep saying sitting at the same table, but what can that look like in everyday circumstances and situations? What could that be? So, uh, <clears throat> and if we go back, let's talk about the event that we were planning. Um, when I was planning the event, I knew that in order to get a diverse crowd, I was going to have to bring diversity at the head. And Mm -hmm. I had no idea how it was going to happen until 
we connected. And that's why I think it has to start, especially as Christians, even in churches, we have to invite each other to worship together. And that's how we're going to see the heart in each other. We're going to have to see the God in each other. Um, we, yeah, like you said, sitting at this table, you know, in our own personal lives and just having a white friend or having a black friend, but we have to bring us together in masses and not just do it in the separate of separation of, you know, our home, you know, or because even as me as a mom, I'll tell you, I have to be intentional. My daughter goes to an all black school. My cousin's the principal there. So, and that's where my help goes every morning. So I do that, you know, out of the convenience of my family and because, you know, I'm a single mom. So we have to make sure that we get to where we're going. However, when it comes to extracurricular activities, I'm intentional about making sure that she goes to dance where she gets to interact and she gets to play with kids that don't look like her on a daily basis. I'm intentional about when it comes to playing softball that we're interacting with other races and that we're not just looking like us because I don't want her to see the world black and white. And I don't want her to not even see the world black and white, but, but to, I don't want her to see it as black over here and white over here. So that's what I feel like as Christians, we have to start worshiping together. We have to start praying together. We're praying to the same God, but we're praying to him separately. Yeah. God wants to mm -hmm. see us together. And that's how we're going to dispel that hate. Because I'm a firm believer that when, when we hear the things that God tells us, the enemy also hears them. And he is dead set mm -hmm. on destroying mm -hmm. them before we can ever fulfill them. He can't touch God. So his only option is to get to us first. So we have to be intentional about doing that. We have to come hand in hand, not in violence, but we have to come hand in hand and we have to model for our kids. The generations before us have done what they needed to do. They've gone as far as they can go. And me and my friend was having this conversation and we were talking about how, you know, in relationship, the church didn't really teach us about relationships and how to do love. And they just told us, don't have sex before you get married. So we went on this whole rant. But at the end, <laughs> one, one thing that stuck out to me is she said, Demisha, stop. She said, they just didn't know. They, did, they didn't know what to teach us. So I feel like when it comes to the past generations, they didn't know. They went as far as they can go with what they had. But we are in a position to where we have so many resources. God has gifted us with so many gifts and that we are going to have to be the ones that change the trajectory of our future from the heart. We're going to have to be the ones that come together. We're going to have to be the ones that create these spaces to where we can walk together, where we can talk together, where we are not separated. But we can't look at the past as a lesson and, you know, and not look at it oh, this happened and we're still mad about this and we're still doing this, we're still doing this, but what are we doing for the future? Because if God held all of our sins of the past against us, we wouldn't even have a future. So we have to have that same mm -hmm. compassion that God has for us for the future generations. And we have to be intentional, intentional on raising kids who operate different. Because I'm telling Amen. you, if our kids... If we don't, we're going to fail our kids. And I always say this all the time. I don't want to leave my own done work on my baby. When I look at her, that is what challenges me to get out of my feelings and to get into some faith and to move my feet. Because I don't want her to, to talk about generational curses. They're real. 
And I don't want to leave it to her. And if I don't do it, she's going to have to do it. If she don't do it, my grandbaby's going to have to do it. And when you look at the long line of people that you're affecting in your generation, not about the world, because sometimes we don't want to do stuff for the world. We get mad at the world. But when I look at my babies and my potential grandbabies and my potential great-grandbabies, then that's like, oh, snap, this is a me thing. And it start where you are. Oh. We can't wait for laws and we can't wait for the government and we can't wait for none of that. We have to start with what we have within us in which I have the ability to interact every day. I have the ability to go to church together. I have the ability to get on a prayer call and intercede together. We have the ability to go on play dates together. We have the ability to do what is within our realm. And if everyone does that individually, collectively, we can move the world. An ant can't do anything together, but you know how you take a million ants, how they can move stuff from place to place. This is how we're going to move. Girl, yeah. Keep going. This is this is good stuff. Keep going, girl. <laughs> so, and I know that this is this has to be a God thing because I tell you, the twenty-one-year-old Demisha would be like, "Oh no, I will never forget Stephanie. I was twenty-one years old. This is like right after my birthday." I went to jail for disorderly conduct, and we were out at a bar. Oh, no, I cannot see this. I cannot ah. see this. Hold on. I, I cannot see this because you was just as sweet as the day is long. I mean, even your daughter's name is Honey, for goodness sake. Like, as sweet as sugar. But go no, ahead. I, go I ahead. Want you, I, that's I, what I'm saying. I can't say. see it, but go ahead. I want you to see it. So I was at a, at a bar, and... My friend and some girl had got into a fight. Long story short, she ended up getting arrested after they tased him and did all that great stuff. Now, I was trying to get my friend's keys and the cop had her in handcuffs and I'm in Clarksville, Tennessee. And when I was asking for her keys, he took her head and he put her head down on the car. And I don't think that he did it intentionally, but I was 21 years old and that was like my best friend. And when he lifted her head up, he had busted her nose and all I seen was blood. And I don't, and it was big. So like I'm saying, I, I know that you have to deescalate the situation. Lots of stuff was going on, but all I seen was my friend and a bloody nose. So I immediately was like, you did that to my friend, you racist. And I am, cause I'm from Selma now. The heart of the black belt. So in my initial reaction, it's like, holy crap. So I was livid. They grabbed me. I ended up going to jail. My boyfriend at the time, they were trying to tase me. He was telling them she didn't do nothing. She just wanted the keys. Long story short, all three of us went to jail. My best friend, me, and my boyfriend. And mm-hmm. so, and when we got there, they were like, well, she was the aggressive one. And we went to court and we, you know, we explained the situation. And that really left a damper in me. But I knew then that that was a reality because um, I had never experienced. I grew up a sheltered, you know, in Selma. I didn't really have to deal with, you know, any of that. But as I stepped out into the world, that was a reality. But also, I knew that it was my reaction to the reality. And the only reaction that I could change was my reaction. And that whether it was intentional or non-intentional, I still had to choose how I was going to let it affect me, how I was going to 
play on my emotions. I mean, I had a career. I was in the military. And thank God my commander understood that I was just not. I was in that situation and I wasn't just this irate or like rebellious or like this crazy person. But that I responded to the situation the best way that I knew how. And I was honest about it. And we apologized and we talked to him and, you know, we understood. So I think a lot of times is that we don't really understand the background. So when we jump to conclusions and we just go with the force that's fueling the fire at the time. And when we come back out of it, we had to really think about that regardless, we're responsible for our responses. And we do understand that pressure bus is a pipe. And that we do understand that some things that are going on right now are not about a particular person, but are about a whole system that has to be dispelled. But the system is made up of people. And until we get to the core of the people, the system is not going to change. Mm -hmm. So as Christians, we have to put ourselves in positions to be able to impact decisions. Because a lot of times Mm -hmm. we want to holler at decision makers. But Oh, yeah, girl. We had to position ourselves to be the decision maker. I heard a long time in the military, they said, I used to talk about this supervisor that I had. And someone told me, if you don't like the way that somebody's doing their job, put yourself in a position to take it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where I believe we are, especially in our own town. I mean, we have to be able to step up and put ourselves in a position to where we can make those decisions. I believe that, especially for us and for our community, I believe that. We want to diversify our police force if, so that we can police the police, so that you have someone there, so that you're doing that. So when I say, and not just doing it as a black thing or a white thing, so that you're that Christian brother and sister that says, hey, don't do that, brother. Yep. Hey, let me step in. You're a little mad right now. I got it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. So we have to put ourselves in the position to be able to make some of these decisions that we know need to be made. And we can't leave them to who's looking good, who's doing this. And we can't forsake our responsibility. That faith without works is dead. So we have to be willing to do the work. And pray, like we said, pray without ceasing, but also put some feet to that faith. Absolutely. I mean, Moses didn't just go up on the mountain and talk with God and say, okay, God, that sounds like a great idea. He went out and he went into the presence of Pharaoh. He went out and he, he lifted his, his rod and parted the Red Sea. He went out and he walked, he led the, the Israelites. And, you know, before we even got on this call, I, I was just, I, was, I had my worship music turned all the way up. And I mean, I was just bawling. And I just, you know, was just praying over the phone call that God would, just let his glory be sh- shown through us, that he would speak through us, that the Holy Spirit would move in this meeting and that hearts would be changed. And I told God, I said, God, Moses was one man. I am one woman. You delivered a whole nation through one man. Father, use me. Whatever your will is, let it be done. Just use me. And I think until we all get to that position where we lay down our, our you know, our right to be right. And we just put ourselves on that altar of sacrifice and say, God, whatever you want to do, your will be done. None of it's going to get better because everybody's going to take a stance of, well, I don't have to, like you said, well, I don't like how they're doing, you know, until we are willing to, to allow God to work through us. It's, it's not going to get better. We can't wait on somebody else to do it. 
Yes, we. And the thing is, is that it's not that we're supposed to wait on somebody else. The Bible says that when God created each of us, before he formed us in our mother's womb, he anointed us. He called each of us to be prophets to the nations. Each of us, meaning that we all have a voice. We all have a lane that we're, we all have a piece of this pie. And when I think about um, the rib, and I kept seeing the rib, and then I am the cage, and I'm the rib. And I think about the rib and how God brought Eve out of Adam's rib cage. And we had to be willing to be the rib that holds this cage together. Mm. And we have to know that if we are a rib and you are a rib and everyone mm. is a rib, a cage is made up of ribs. It's a rib cage. Mm-hmm. So we have to know that each of us is a rib. You remove that rib and air is going to get into that cage. Yep. So yep. we have to be able to understand that we each have a piece, whether it's big or small in our eyes, it's big in God's eyes. Every one of us are needed in this fight, whatever our lane is. And it doesn't have to be seen to the world. And it, I don't want people to think that um, we have to, like they say, your silence is speaks loud. No, you. I know people that talk loud, but are really silent. So... Mm-hmm. We can't we we can't afford to get into that wanting to be the one that says something loud or wanting to be the one that that doesn't say anything. We have to be seeking God, asking, okay, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What seed can I plant that you're going to water for the future? Amen. Amen. Just make sure we are we are over the the normal limit, but this is so good. We'll definitely have to do it again. I think. The conversation needs to continue. This doesn't need to be a one-time podcast uh, episode or, or a one-time conversation. This is something that can just go on and on because God is definitely moving in and through you. Your words of wisdom are just I know for me, they were just encouraging because I woke up this morning and I'm not going to lie, I was all in my feelings. I was like, oh, the world is coming to an end. It's chaos. I, I just don't understand why everybody can't just love one another. And then I get on this phone call with you and there's hope. You just, you restored hope. And so I thank you so much for coming on. Um, now your book, Not Cheated But Chosen, where can we find that? It is on Amazon and it is also on my website, which is chosennotcheated.com. It's on Amazon. You can get the ebook or you can get the print. And um, I'm just, I'm I'm just, I'm just, I thank you, Stephanie, because I actually shared your, um, the message that we sent initially about the podcast with my friend. And she says, I love this. And we agree that this is the start that if, like I said, this is not a one-time conversation, but also the heart and compassion that you have. I don't want you to, God, God is going to bless you for your tears because your tears are an indication that you have a heart. And it's the tears just condition our heart to be able to do the work that we need to do. We have to shed some of that overflow. And I know it's painful. I And I thank you for understanding what's going on and being able to feel what's going on. It means a lot to us as mothers to know that at the end of the day, we're just mothers and trying to raise kids. And it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we all want what's best for our babies. And I believe that when we take that stance outside of anything else, we have to start at the bottom 
the root. And like you said, it's in the homes. And if your home and my home and everybody that we affiliate home was to get on board, then we can change the trajectory of the future of this country and the heart of God's people. Amen. Girl, you got me crying again. <laughs> but it, oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Well, I just, once again, thank you so much for coming on. And this is, like I said, it, we're definitely doing it again. This is not a one-time thing. And I cannot wait until we can actually be together and speak to God's people and speak into the heart of God's women. And um, hopefully our Paint with a Purpose party will happen for too much longer because yes, we're it's definitely a God this thing. Is, this, is, this is the season where God is calling us to sit quiet so that we can hear him so that when we go out, we're going to make so much noise. Amen. Amen. Because I'm all about making some noise. I'm so loud. I used to get in trouble all the time about being loud. That's just how God made me. <laughs> yes. He needed it. People need to hear you. So I thank you for this opportunity. Well, thank you so much. Love you, girl. And we will see you back. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks, we'll get you back on. Okay. Well, yes. And God bless you and everyone that's going to hear this word. May you be encouraged. And may you be excited about doing the work that God has for each of us to do. Amen. Do you want to pray us out? I'm, I don't normally do prayers, but I just feel like now is the time to, to just pray. Do you want to? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Dear God, we come to you, God, humble and hungry, God, hungry for your word, hungry for your wisdom and hungry to do your work, God. We thank you for the words that you have given us to give your people, God. We pray that they fall on ears that are going to take them in and also take heed of them and also take off running with them, God. And we ask you continue to protect us, protect each of us, protect each family, protect each home, protect each city, protect each state, protect our country, God, and protect this world, God. And we ask that you continue to do only what you can do, God. Not what man can do, but God, because he will fail us every time, God. But you are God that has never lost a battle, God. And we stand with you, God, trusting that you're going to do what needs to be done to get us on the right track, God. We thank you and we bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Until next time, ladies, let's be in prayer. <laughs>